Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Sorry that took forever. I ordered pizza and it took, I don't know, like almost an hour and a half. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and usually on average, it takes about 25, 25 minutes. <laughs> nice. Well, it just, just it so. warm pizza by the time it got there. Yeah, it was, it was okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was enough to fill me up, but it wasn't really worth the wait. Yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, well, now that I have you on the phone, on the phone, (laughs) (laughs) just wanted to say, hey, Cheryl, welcome (laughs) back. Hi. Um, Today we... Um, we were going to talk about a little bit of it, about anxiety, I thought. And the last time we spoke, you talked a little bit about perfectionism. Mm-hmm. And um, so maybe we could talk about that and the difference and the similarities between that and OCD. And then, and then maybe talk a little bit about medication too, because I know that that's something that will probably come up. Oh, yes, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we start with like the anxiety piece? Because I think that with OCD too, it's kind of, they relate to each other and they're linked. And so what, what does anxiety usually look like for you? So for me, ignore that. If you hear sirens in the background, just ignore that. I live next to a fire station um (laughs) so um or maybe it's just an omen for the conversation we're having (laughs) um so anxiety for me mm, that's kind of like a complicated question because there's the diagnosis that I have which is generalized anxiety disorder or in layman's terms anxious about nothing um panic disorder which just means that I um, have panic attacks um, a lot Um, and then also things like social anxiety um, agoraphobia um, and then of course the perfectionism and OCD Um, how for me what that really means is that um, I just I have some really interesting coping mechanisms, but also that it's not necessarily that I have all these problems. I think that it's almost um, symptomology of, you know, behavioral issues with the ADHD and then also life trauma. (laughs) So, yeah, because it's that's the thing, right? You don't have ADHD in the in a vacuum. And everybody who has ADHD, it's a little bit different. So um, my ADHD is going to be different from your husband's uh, as well as any, you know, someone else's. And it has a lot to do with obviously life. And, um, you know, not everyone's going to be super smart with ADHD. Not everyone, you know, not everyone's going to have the same struggles as I do and vice versa. But, um, you know, the anxiety... So those are the diagnosis for how they feel, though, like for me to live with anxiety, um, 
it feels like I'm amped up all the time. Like some, it, it's uh, like a feeling of dread. Um, it's almost like you're always in fight or flight or freeze. Um, okay. Yeah. So like, you know, re- that's where the panic disorder comes in um, because when my anxiety is really bad, um, the panic attacks come and they don't go away. Like I could be having a panic attack for a week at a time. So you just kind of learn for me, you know, you got to learn to what happens it. when you, when, when you're having a panic attack, like what happens to you? Um, look like, so there's the minor ones, which is just feeling really hot and, um, and it, it kind of actually, this is kind of, this is the concerning part. And I think this is why a lot of people feel like they're going to die or they're having a heart attack. Uh, I get arm pain and like tension headaches and, and I'll get like chest pain. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. It's not very severe, but it's annoying. Um, if I'm <laughs> having like, um, like a full blown, like, like, pa- like full on like hardcore panic attack not just like a mild one but a severe one um i actually it it's a it's it's like it's really hard to explain but you feel just your body's out of control because your mind can't won't stop racing um i get really bad heartburn i -hmm. feel like i'm gonna throw up um my chest hurts I can't breathe very well. I feel really hot, but if you touch my skin, I'm cold and clammy. Um, I literally will have to, like, if it happens at home, I'll go and stand in front of an open freezer just to cool down. Oh, you know? Um, okay. It, it's just feeling hot. Um, and and just you just feel afraid and, and anxious, but not, like, scared. Like, yeah. Because, I mean, everybody has felt anxious before. That's that's kind of like the problem where, like, if you have a food addiction, you still have to eat. If you have a problem with anxiety, the thing is, anxiety is still a normal, healthy human emotion to have. Like, there is normal time yeah. to have anxiety, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. So the problem is when you don't know why you're having it or in my case, when you have it for no reason at all. So, um, yeah. So they, so, do they just come on, come on suddenly? Like you could just be going, walking through the mall and then all of a sudden something like nothing will happen and that will come on. Yeah. Um, for me in particular, cause it seems to more be triggered by large crowds. Um, um, like, so if I'm a, in a superstore super or, sh- or shopping mall or something and there's too many people, um, I'll have a panic attack or anxi- like I'll have massive anxiety. Um, and then, um, or just if there's a lot of stressors going on in life, um, if, if I'm excited, the other problem for me is I get my, my wires crossed um, with excitement and anxiety because they kind of feel the same. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's important. As much as I don't, like, it's hard for me. Um, if you've ever, I, and I know it's kind of a fad thing right now, but this idea of mindfulness or more mm-hmm. so just being aware of how your body feels um, yeah. makes it a lot easier for me to decide if I'm excited in a good way or if I'm actually like anxious 
um, because they feel a little different, but sometimes you can get those wires crossed. So if I'm, um, for example, I I have a date tomorrow and I'm super anxious about it, but I'm also excited about it, right? And it's hard to separate those two sometimes. Yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, so, um, but I mean, anxiety is a tough one because um because you kind of um for me anyways uh it's become kind of a constant state and um it's really uh, exhausting to be anxious all the time (laughs) but yeah and the adhd triggers it too because you know i'm forgetful so um i have anxiety about being late um i have anxiety about um forgetting things you know how you feel like you're always forgetting something I'm probably actually forgetting something (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm actually worried when I'm not forgetting something because then I'm like oh gosh how did I not forget something so like it's it's kind of crazy but um, yeah Uh, and for me because a lot of my struggles with ADHD are around emotions um, and emotional regulation um, and st- just stress regulation in general, um, mm-hmm. it also like very negatively affects my relationships with others, and it makes it a lot harder for me to feel like I'm connecting because I'm so anxious about social cues. So um, it it means I'm like behavior modifying way too much and that kind of stuff. So yeah. And can you explain a little bit about what behavior modifying is? Like what kind of things do you do in a situation where you're meeting new people or you're like in a room with some people? So if I'm meeting new people, I usually, um, (laughs) I either have to be drunk (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not a good idea anyways. Like not that I'm a bad drunk. It's just, yeah. I'm more, less inhibited. I'm actually kind of exactly the same, just maybe more giggly when I'm drunk. Okay. Um, but at the same time, that's not really a healthy mechanism for meeting <laughs> people. Um, I'm usually it makes like you feel the quiet. Yeah, I'm usually the quiet one. Um, I'm it, with my personality type and just you know who I am and stuff. I'm not really a big social event person anyways but yeah. you know um if I have to meet someone um I'm trying to remember what I was like when I met you oh no <laughs> we were definitely we were definitely drunk <laughs> yeah we were um so, yeah. <laughs> yeah that doesn't count um but like uh, <laughs> yeah I just I'm pretty like I'm just really quiet and I the behavior modification is more, I spend a lot more time observing everybody else's interactions to try and figure out what they're like. And then I look yeah. for safe people um, or people that I think will be safe. Um, yeah. And then I might introduce myself. Um, but most of the time I actually um, end up being the one that um, everyone knows was there, but no one remembers talking to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I'll make the appearance and then I'll leave right so um there's that or the third option is um I just don't go but um yeah that too yeah um 
medication does help with that, but the the behavior modification it's hard because I don't know. You know, I don't know if I'm behaving in a way that's socially acceptable, and it's not that I'm not behaving mm-hmm. acceptably because I mean. I know I'm kind of a strange person, but it's just hard for me because I'm also not the type of person who enjoys small talk. So I really feel uncomfortable getting to know people anyways. And um, I've learned recently um, on a a Myers-Briggs test, the personality test, that I am really hardcore on questioning behavior. and that makes me sound like I'm interrogating someone when I'm getting to know them. So, like, I have to really, like, I feel like I have to really hold back on who I am, which is someone who likes to talk about weird and interesting things. <laughs> um, or that I'm being too intense, because that's the other thing with ADHD as well. Um, and anxiety, because with you're a little bit more high, high energy, like high strung. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you're resonating at a higher frequency um, <laughs> yeah sometimes fighting. Um, yeah and um, I feel like that can come across as just like an underlying intensity that is really um, not necessarily intimidating but can be misread as like severity or seriousness mm-hmm. or that you know or you know too too into the moment and it's it it just can can read real bad so you know trying to tone down myself so that I'm not as intense and I'm not intimidating and I don't come across as too smart and maybe that's a gender thing and I don't come across as too um too too much you know so yeah you're holding back yeah, I it, that is, and that's what I, you know, what I mean by behavior modification. Okay. So it could range from anything from like not laughing as hard at a joke or um, not not engaging in small talk because I'd have nothing to contribute anyways, you know, or whatever, right? Or not asking questions or not answering questions about myself. Like, um, I'm I'm also hard to get to know for those same reasons because I I don't. I don't think people are interested. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I think that's another thing too, like, because of, I work as an admin assistant and so mm. there's people sometimes that come in and they're waiting for the therapist to come down and they whip out their phones right away. And yeah. I, it's, it's a good defense mechanism, you know, like if they're having a day where they don't feel like talking, you know, like it's a pretty good sign for me to not even start something. And then, um, on the other hand, they could just ha- be, you know, in the middle of an, an anxiety thing because they really, like, realistically are coming in about their child. Yeah. So it and could be, that could be part of the modification too. Do you think, do you think that that could be something that they're doing too? Like to modify, you know, how they're, like, yeah. Try to... I mean, we all behavior modify, like that's a normal thing. Yeah. If it's, you know everything from mirroring behavior to you know it's all we all chameleon to try to fit in to society Mm -hmm. um if you want to if you want to conduct an experiment to see how important behavior editing and modifying is just go into an elevator and stand in the wrong direction 
in a group of people and you'll see how uncomfortable (laughs) counter behavior and breaking social norms really makes everybody else right yeah so like yeah but also you know when you see when I go to see my therapist even though I'm there to do a positive thing I don't like interacting with other people generally when I'm waiting for my appointment because I'm thinking about what I need to say to my therapist and my talking points and you know what important things are going on that I need really want to talk about and or you know trying to remember the last session and if there was anything that I missed and I still need help with you know so there's for me I'm doing a lot of thinking while I'm waiting so Mm -hmm. I pull out my phone because I need um stimulus to do that um and people with ADA like or and that and because uh my fidget spinner is really annoying in public places for other people so um and I don't want to sit there with like a really really bad resting resting bitch face as I (laughs) fidget spinner in a in a psychology waiting room um because I think so um yeah I I think um yeah (laughs) and so I mean I think for people you know when especially if you're going in to meet about your kids uh or something like that and you're you're trying to uh be avoidant um some people are going to do that but then you got those other people that are going to talk 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 right yeah and that you know it's um, I think from a professional standpoint or just a just a person standpoint, it's just, you know, if you can read what someone, especially if you're in a position where you have to, like, manage the, the client end before the therapist gets there or yeah. just anything like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, it's best to just, even, like, hairdressers, um, my salon, they now offer, like, you just have to tell them how chatty you are at the beginning of the session, and you can go through your whole hair appointment silent. Really? Right? If you, yes. <laughs> um, yes, it's amazing. <laughs> so, um, because before, for someone like me, I don't necessarily want to make small talk for an hour and a half while I'm getting my hair cut or dyed or whatever. You know, right? so, you know my anxiety comes out at the hairdresser when I'm made to look at myself in the mirror for an hour. <laughs> see, I wear glasses, so I just take them off and then I can't see anything. I just don't want to sit there and stare at myself while I talk for an hour. Like, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. So, yeah. And I'm like the person who's like, what do I talk about? I, I, don't, I don't really want to talk to you about anything, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I would also suggest, though, if you're the kind of person that maybe feels uncomfortable or anxious in situations where maybe you're forced to have conversations that you don't necessarily want to have, you can potentially now, like I'm warning you, you're not always going to get like a compassionate like, oh, okay, you might get a weird look, but you can you can request to say, hey, I'm having an off day. Can we just like not talk while I'm getting my hair cut? Yeah, right. Or, you know, can you like, swivel the and, chair around so I don't have to look at myself? Yeah. Can can you, um, you can ask for that. And I don't know 
you know, in a lot of places, uh, a lot of, especially if it's uh, women, but a lot of places they'll be like, okay, you know, I'm sure they've heard weirder requests. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. and you don't even have to feel obligated to tell them why, right? Yeah. They don't need to know. It's not really any other business. You can just say, hey, can uh, you turn the chair around so I don't have to look at myself <laughs> while we're talking? And they'll be like, okay, that's weird, but okay, right? So, yeah. So, it and, is. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, on that whole thing, this is something um, one of the psychologists that I see, actually, the career, oops, got my phone. Um, the career psychologist that I've been seeing lately, she recommended this TED Talk by a guy. Um, his name is Tim. I forget his last name. But if you search up uh, on the YouTube um, uh, a TED Talk about um, quantif- um, looking at your fears or setting your fears instead of your goals, um, it actually plays into this a lot. Um, and you can do this for... It's, it's more to do with the idea of stoicism, but it's more to do with the idea that if you have to make a decision that's causing you a lot of anxiety and stress, whether it's a big decision like, do I go on holiday and, you know, for a month and a half be, because I really need a vacation or do I, you know, or a small decision like, do I ask my hairdresser if we don't have a conversation? Because I know that for me, either asking her to not talk versus, um, the, just going in and talking both have the same level of anxiety when I think about doing those things right mm-hmm. um, but then when I define yeah sorry it's defining your fears so when I define my fears I go okay well what what's the worst that could happen in this situation and you outline all the bad things that could happen and then you could also then say well if this happens what is the solution right because mm-hmm. um, most of the time um, even no all the time um, if it's an insurmountable problem, there's nothing you can do about it anyways, because it's insurmountable, right? If if it's not insurmountable, then there is something you can do about it. And then from there, you can also need to look at if I don't do this, what are the negative long term effects if I don't do it? So if you don't go and ask your hairdresser, if we can't just have a silent appointment, you're going to say, well, I'm going to have anxiety uh, the whole time I'm there. And then I'm going to have anxiety about going back the next time because I'm going to have to talk the whole time next time. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you do do it, then you're just like, well, then I'm just the weird girl who doesn't want to talk during my hair appointment. And who cares? Right. So um, so like that, that's kind of the whole premise is that um the easy choices in life um, generally make life harder and the hard paths, like the harder choices, the choices that require more effort are the ones that are going to make life easier to live. So, um, and I'm kind of paraphrasing a quote from that the uh, Tim guy used in his TED talk, but the Tim, um, <laughs> the Tim guy, I can't remember his last name. So, name. <laughs> yeah. The Tim guy. Um, but, um, I definitely recommend checking it out. It is a really great little 13 minutes. And um, yeah, I will check it out. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and, yes. And, um, <laughs> but it's this idea like, um, you know, that and that's the whole thing for me is a lot of my life is spent trying to mitigate unnecessary anxiety. So like, yeah. 
And I forget what, what, what we were talking about. Behavior modification. <laughs> we were talking about that. And you also said that medication helps too. Um, yes. So how long have you been taking medication? Well, um, on and off since I was 18. Um, so I've been on a, a lot of different medications. Um, so... At 18, um, so in the the bulk of my medication experience, though, is going to be during university. So let's go 21. Yeah. So um, with with all of that, um, I basically have been on Ciprolex, Effexor, Adderall. Ritalin, um, and then the other one, Concerta, which is the other ADHD med, the major ones for stimulants. Yeah, I've been on Soloft. I've been on Ativan. I've been on oh, what's the name of that one? I've been on an antipsychotic, but that's a whole story. Um, That Respiral. Um, actually, I had to go on an antipsychotic for a week. Yeah, I had to go on that one um, <laughs> for a whole week because of the Ciprolex. So with the Ciprolex, what happened was, um, and this is something you need to be careful with with medications, and this is where self-awareness and checking in with yourself is really important. And it's really important to be meet with a psychologist, at least, who who is comfortable discussing medication as well as talking to friends and family about your behavior and saying this is the medication that I'm on and I need you to tell me if the following behaviors start happening and that's going to be increased aggression very dramatic mood swings um, that aren't normal (laughs) Um, because obviously if you have something like bipolar or um, that or personality disorders you might have mood swings anyway your disorder yeah Right. But, you know, out of character mood swings or um, but for me, what happened on the Ciprolex was I got extremely aggressive um, and angry um, and it can get really, really bad. Um, And and I knew that it was bad because um, I'm pretty um, kind and compassionate person, actually. Um, Got to I pretend that I'm all of a big badass with my tattoos and my colored hair and all that but at the same time um I just spent the last like three hours crying watching Netflix um so I mean like I'm like a gooey center kind of person um underneath this tough exterior that's not really all that tough um but um but more so like I you know my first reaction is usually one of compassion and empathy unless I'm tired um like really tired but my first reaction started to be immediately like anger, um, aggression, physical, physicality. Um, right. Um, so I had to get off that medication and a lot of the anxiety medication and depression medications, um, you can't just stop taking them. Um, cause it has really bad side effects. Um, yeah. and I had wean to off of them and wean onto them. Yes. So, um, I had to stop taking the Ciprolex immediately because of the aggression. Um, Cause I was liable to hurt some, somebody. Right. Um, and yourself. 
and myself. So I, uh, and there have been recorded cases of people on medications doing things that are out of character. And that's why you have to make sure that someone is, that you're checking in and that you're paying attention, um, especially if you're on higher doses. Um, So, and, and especially with ADHD, actually, because of our tendency for addiction and um, medication abuse. Um, And we'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, So with, with this Ciprolex, um, I had to go on this antipsychotic for a week because I had to stop taking the Ciprolex. Um, The problem is though, um, you don't want to be on an antipsychotic um, if you don't have to. Um, It's really, uh, for me, um, so you, the one that I was on was mixed with a sedative and you had to take it before bed because if you didn't, um, you could have, um, well, you basically, you see like monsters um oh like hallucinate yeah it it can cause scary hallucinations so um and i know this because i woke up in the middle of the night uh in the middle of taking this you know medication drowsy had to to pee came back out of the bathroom and there was a shadow monster sitting at my table and i was like okay i'm I'm just gonna go back to bed now (laughs) Uh, and it was the medication so you know um obviously some people need to be on antipsychotics um and and obviously you need to work with your doctor and your psychologist and your family and you know your support system uh and in order to understand what the best medication strategy is for you personally because everybody reacts differently um, as well as you need to be patient because it takes a long time to figure out what works. So um, it's going to be a little bit of a guinea pig situation for a while. Um, and, and, or forever, honestly, um, I still tweak my medication often. Um, and for women, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass because our, our, um, medications can work differently depending on cycles, um, as well as things like pregnancy, menopause, etc. Um, so yeah. yay! I mean, um, for, for, forever changing yes. time too. So I guess then that that leads us to have to change it up every once in a while, depending on things. Yeah, and then also um, the same thing though with children. Um, and I know that there's a lot of discussion debate. Uh, stigma around children and ADHD medication in particular um, because it's you know you hear about the kids who go on Ritalin and they're like zombies and it's like well the dose is wrong right and and the thing is it's really hard because it's not I'm I'm 30 almost 32 and I'm still tweaking my dosage and I still have trouble sometimes um, with my medications not being the right dosage right and I have to, you know, I can at least recognize it and then change it or, or talk to my doctor and, and figure out a, a new solution. But a kid, you know, they, they, you can't, it's really hard to get, you know, a seven-year-old to tell you that the medication's wrong because you got to try and figure out why, you know, like, well, are they not eating because they're being seven or are they not eating because of the medication? And why was this medication working yesterday and today it's not? Um, cause with ADHD medication, especially stimulants, you don't need, you, you know, they're working right away. You don't need a six week yeah. easing in 
period, um, like with uh, antidepressants um, and anti-anxieties. Um, whereas ADHD, if I take a um, Concerta, I know it's working that day and I know how well it's working. Um, yeah, exactly. Right? Because it's stimulant medication. It's, it's, it's an amphetamine or it's dexedrine. It wears, off. it wears off eventually and then you take it again the next day. And Yeah, it's a, it's a daily thing, which is why it's also very addictive and also why um, it gets abused by people without ADHD. Um, also, yeah. though, uh, this is also why people with ADHD are more likely to be addicted to um, illicit street drugs. So in particular, cocaine and methamphetamine um, are really bad uh, for us because um, they work like ADHD medication. They're uppers. They, yeah. they, get us, they get us going, right? They keep us stimulated. Uh, met, uh, <laughs> so, you know... That's why you might see a lot of high-functioning professionals with raging cocaine habits because they actually might have undiagnosed ADHD. Um, right. So, anywho, um, with kids, um, the problem, though, is today uh, your seven-year-old might weigh, you know, X amount, and tomorrow they've put on weight and grown three inches, right? Yeah. Um, and their brain chemistry changed a little bit because they're still developing, right? So. Um, honestly, you know, with kids, the reason why medication is so difficult is because the kid, your kid is always changing. So, and it's so fast when they're young. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to have kids whose medication doesn't work from one day to the next and you're going to have to change it. Right. So, um, I just want to say one thing about that too, is that if, if your child does require it, like, is it, if, if you're doing the behavioral techniques you know that you learn there's therapy that you can do Um, medication though is sometimes the answer in that sometimes you can't do or teach your child the tools unless they have that extra little um, help with medication so that they can yeah they can absorb the, the information you're telling them so that they can start trying the methods that you're trying to teach them and then they can see the results and that raises their self-esteem so like my kid has been on medication for almost three years and mm-hmm. saved us as a family too. I mean, yeah, it was, yeah. it was amazing. The results. And it's not just, um, it's not just giving him a pill every day and then like just forgetting about it. It's yeah. giving him a pill every day. He knows exactly what, what it's doing to his body. Um, we've had to adjust it as he's grown, but yeah, like seriously, it has been the answer to what he has needed so that he can grow up being confident. Yeah. And I, there is so much negative stigma around medication. It's really frustrating, actually. Um, as an adult, I, I still I go to an ADHD support group for adults with ADHD once a month. Um, there might be some in, in your area. Um, if <laughs> No. <laughs> okay. It's worth checking out, but there is one in Calgary, so um, it's um, or maybe someone will want to start one. I don't know. Um, yep. It's good to have a guide there for conversation if that's what you're doing. But anywho, um, the at the group though we get drop-ins, and they're usually parents, like elderly parents of adults with ADHD, or even just parents who didn't want to come with their kids who come in panicking, thinking, oh my gosh, you know, Uh 
the 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 thing we have to remember with ADHD medication, it doesn't fix it. It doesn't fix the ADHD. Um, it just helps us have enough stimulation to just do the basics. So it's not even. It's just giving us a little bit of a boost. It's not doing, it's not a miracle drug. It's not going to make us better. If we, you know, if we take it it, every day, it's not one day we're not going to not need to take it. That's not how it works. So um, then, and then they get upset. They're like, is there any way to do it without medication? And there is. Um, But there's, there's a few things to remember. You, you can treat ADHD without medication. You don't need to use medication. It's not necess- not always necessary. Some kids don't need it. Some adults don't need it because um, they can they have they, you know they can do it without. Um, a big part of that though is diet. Um, and there is an ADHD diet and trust me, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. It's like no sugar, no caffeine, no red dye, no yellow dye. Um, you can't have anything cooked in plastic um, or stored in plastic. No processed food. Um, it's a lot. Um, yeah, it's pretty. And, it's pretty restricted for sure. Yeah, and quite frankly, I like junk food, so um, that's not gonna happen for me <laughs> personally. Yeah. Um, granted, when I do take ADHD medication, I do not actually drink pop or want sugar. So, um, because that's that's where the uh, there's a bit of an addiction there for the stimulation that it provides. So um, that that is something that if you notice that you're taking ADHD medication, but you're still cracking a Red Bull at noon, um, your dosage is wrong. So um, the other thing with ADHD medication is it uh, is it's counter to a lot of medications that I personally need for my anxiety. So this is a. Uh, we're going to talk about marijuana. Um, <laughs> um, I actually, uh, currently, my prescription uh, and my medication, I take Zoloft, uh, 75 milligrams every day before bed. And that manages my anxiety, 70% of my anxiety. Um, I've had to learn that medication is, isn't going to make you feel normal. Medication doesn't take away anxiety. Medication doesn't take away ADHD or behavior. It just gives me enough to make the changes I need to make and to carry on. It's not a cure. It's just it's a just method enough. of coping. Yeah, Enough to um, supplement the parts in your brain that need supplementing to make choices. Make, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that my anxiety doesn't make it so that I never leave my house so that my ADHD doesn't make it so that I have an emotional outburst and fist fight someone <laughs> in a supermarket. <laughs> um, so like it, it almost happened. Um, so, Don't that. Um, so like for me, I take this, the Zoloft or, or, or rather sertraline, same thing. Um, so um and then uh, every day I, I do have a prescription for uh, CBD mm-hmm. and one-to-one, which is um, the most THC I can have. And what that means is um, I can only have 
equal parts THC to CBD. So, um, how do you take that? I vape it or I take oil. So I either use dry herbs um, in a vape um, and not like the kind that you see with the cigarette with the oils. Like it's not that kind of vape. It's not the, the douchey kind of vape. <laughs> it's it's literally just um, a way to burn the marijuana at a lower temperature so that you're only kind of releasing the oils rather than like burning the marijuana. Um, yeah, it kind of just like crisps it <laughs> um and then um and then because what happens is if you burn it at too high of a temperature you lose a lot of the beneficial qualities of some of the other terpenes because there's more than just cbd and thc there's a lot of different ones um so um you lose the benefits if you burn it too hot um and then i also use oil sometimes but oil is expensive so so not as um, often. <laughs> not as often and um but there are benefits to both so if you take the if you if you vape dry herb um you kind of get instant relief but it lasts for a shorter amount of time if you take oils it takes up to an hour for the oils to come into effect but it lasts for a few hours so kind of like taking an edible um and the reason why i don't have a lot of thc is um it causes anxiety so you might feel less anxious in the moment but you're going to have what's known as rebound anxiety which is 10 times worse and it's usually the next morning so um you have to keep your thc levels really low um so i have a prescription um and i only ever use it as like backup and it's because uh, let's be honest, um, I can't even have neocitrin be- because of my Zoloft prescription. Um, the decongestant in neocitrin is a counteracting uh, medication that can cause serotonin syndrome. And there are like 3,000 different pills that I cannot have. I can't even have Advil. <laughs> so... Um, you got to be real careful with that medication and the CBD is nice because it helps me with my ADHD and it takes away that extra anxiety because I can't really take, I can't take Dexedrine and um, Zoloft at the same time because it's like taking an upper and a downer. Like it just, you can't really, yeah, counteracts. you can't really add a stimulant to it. Um, there are there are newer ADHD medications that you might be able to combine with anxiety meds, but they kind of have conflicting actions. Um, it just sort of depends. There's a there's one on the market right now called Vivance, which is really nice. Um, it's been out for quite a few years now, but um, that one has uh, has been having a lot of nice results for people. Um, yeah. Uh, the other problem with some of the ADHD medications, besides the fact, like, especially the Ritalin or Concerta or um, Adderall or Adderall XR, um, release, um, is that they're, they're addictive. They're really addictive. And, and you get a little bit of a high. I'm not going to lie. You get a little bit of a buzz from them. Um, and they also stop... Um, they stop some impulses. So, oh, yeah. um, 
hunger is actually an impulse feeling. So you don't eat. <laughs> um, like you can go on like a like a week long Adderall bender um, and not eat and just take Adderall like it and stay up for a week. Like it it's it can be so bad. Um, I actually know a guy who he um, he abused his medication and went and had uh, psychosis and got a misdiagnosis. This can happen with methamphetamine in particular, but he uh, got a diagnosis of um, schizophrenia because they thought he was schizophrenic because he went into a stimulant induced psychosis. So like, yeah. And, and it goes away, obviously, once you stop taking stimulants, but now he can't, now he's like red list, like blacklisted off of most um, medications because of the addictive nature. So I I don't want to scare anyone because it's not that scary it's just you have to be careful and it's like any medication if you take the medication wrong you can have adverse side effects so like if you're taking heart medication or your diabetes um like insulin or any kind of cancer stuff like anything if you if you take it wrong it's dangerous if you take your birth control wrong it's a bit dangerous (laughs) if you take it right it'll work and, and you have to, that's why it's so important to make sure that you have those check-in people, that you're monitoring it, that you're, you know, Take really it aware of, yeah, and, 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 and like, and, and you have to be an advocate for yourself and, you know, you got to get a doctor that really understands, you know, that you don't necessarily know what it feels like to be quote unquote normal, um, you know, I actually had to ask my GP, I'm like, I know this isn't a cure, but how should I be feeling with this? And he's like, just less anxious. Like, not that you're not going to feel anxious, because that's a normal feeling, but just feel more in control of the anxiety. Yeah. Right. And that's, and, and same with the ADHD medication. I had to ask him, like, what should I feel on this? Because technically for me, I, the other reason I stopped taking ADHD meds is because, um, I wasn't getting enough of a stimulation from it because Mm I was used to it. Um, But if I upped my dose, I know I would stop eating. So it was a very, there's like, it was a very fine line for me to walk. I can't do this. So for me personally, and everybody's different, the CBD actually like from, from medicinal marijuana, um, actually addresses my ADHD focus issues so it helps me to be able to stay out of hyper focus as much um, or rather get less agitated if I get broken out of it and I'm also able to like switch tasks better just kind of gives me a little extra in the tank in terms of like I'm not preoccupied with my anxiety you know, so it it's very nice. Um, I find it helps a lot for my ADHD, and I can take my CBD with most medications. So, yeah, I mean, um, it's worth a try if, especially now that it's legal. Um, no, it was legal on yeah. my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you, 
if you can go into your local dispensary and get something that's a one-to-one and if you talk to anybody there they'll know what a one-to-one is but it just means a one-to-one ratio of thc and cbd and it's usually around five or six percent for each if you can get a two-to-one cbd go for that it's going to be hard to find cbd uh, dominant strains um, in the market because most people are doing it to get high um, and that's the other thing that you need to be aware of THC is the, the one that makes you stoned CBD um, doesn't do that at, like at all so it might make you sleepy because you're not anxious anymore <laughs> and you can relax um, but it doesn't make you stoned, stoned. Um, like it's- CBD and alcohol mix um well, I can't really mix alcohol and Wellbutrin, but, or sorry, not Wellbutrin. That's another medication I've been on. Um, I can't mix alcohol with an antidepressant anyways, or I shouldn't. It just makes me, it just makes me extra drowsy. And that's so fun when you're drinking. Um, so um, you can mix CBD with booze, but I don't know why you'd want to. Yeah. Because the CBD doesn't get you high. And if you're drinking, I'm assuming you're trying to get tipsy. Um, however, if you are self-medicating with alcohol, uh, I would highly, highly suggest maybe not. Because um, that doesn't help, actually. So, yeah. Um, honestly. Um, I was just wondering, because, you know, sometimes when you combo, like, with weed and booze, you can yeah. black out and stuff. I was just wondering if you knew if it would have a similar effect i haven't tried it but at the same time i've never been the kind of person that had that issue um <laughs> at the same time though um my inclination is for those that do tend to black out when they mix it's probably more so that between the reduced inhibitions of liquor and then also being extra relaxed because of the marijuana that you're just probably drinking more than you're used to and that's probably what the blackout's from um luckily for me i always start puking before that happens (laughs) but more so i would oh yeah that's real lucky um (laughs) party's over fast for me um more so if you're going to partake in drinking and and drug usage um even if it's legal um just be very careful I mean, you can still you can still be allergic to marijuana. um, And obviously, you don't want to get stoned and drive. um, And and honestly, if you struggle with anxiety, don't smoke high percentages of THC because it's just going to those people that smoke weed every single day and it's th like you know thc based and they're like if i don't smoke it i have anxiety and it's like well yeah because you're having rebound anxiety from the weed (laughs) so you know if you're you know if you're prone to get paranoid and stuff you know there i i highly recommend there's some there's a great app called leafly which actually has information on different marijuana strains um but you can also, I don't know what there is in, in Whitehorse for um, for a weed doctor, but um, in Calgary, there is, a, there is a clinic called Harvest Medicine, and uh, they specialize in medical marijuana 
So if you, I'm not sure if that exists. Okay. I can't give you the name of my weed doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if, it, depending on who your general practitioner is, though, you can also look at getting a prescription through your GP. Um, and it is a different process than just buying it at a dispensary or from Jenny's doctor. <laughs> but it's more so, yeah. Um, but also, like, it's, it's through licensed producers that you have to provide medical documentation with. Um, and then, then you can order direct from them. They ship it to your house and they have specific CBD high strains. So, like, um, most of what I use is less than 1% THC and up to 25% CBD. Um, I recommend marijuana. Yeah, I, yeah, that one is amazing. I recommend um, only ordering CBD through licensed producers as well as making sure it is actually the marijuana strains because you can get CBD products through hemp but you're missing out on all the other parts of the, the marijuana plant that um, are giving you benefits. There's different terpenes in marijuana that um, give other benefits. So, um, and that varies from strain to strain. And those are also the same things that get, get give pot, like they're different um, smells and different tastes and stuff. So um, yeah. Um, you, yeah. And, like, I just want to point out, like, I'm one of those people that likes to research just about everything because it makes my anxiety go down. Um, but when you have mental health issues like anxiety and perfectionism, um, ADHD, anything, um, you end up having to sort of become your own advocate and your own expert um, because advocacy is nothing without having the information to back it up um, it's a lot easier to challenge a doctor on something if you've educated yourself on the information now you need to make sure that um, you're getting your information from credited medical sources um, so like no and none of this anti-vaxxer kind of argumentation right um you need to or, know or that, guys, like, like we we know because what we're living is real um but yes. by by no means are we claiming to even you know know i'm not, I'm not an expert <laughs> <laughs> i mean she's an expert on herself <laughs> yeah and even and, then i learn new stuff every day so totally. you know and 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 at the same time um, the, the key is to just be willing to learn more about what you're dealing with. And on the avenue of mental health and mental health medication, you, ha- you got to make sure that you're reading your, your information because ADHD changes every year. The diagnosis, um, how they classify it, what, the, what it means, what, what parts of the brain it actually affects, um, there was a little time period when they didn't think girls had it at all which is obviously wrong so like mm-hmm. um um and then also you know, any mental health thing depression they learn new things about depression all the time they learn new things about anxiety disorders all the time um autism asperger's um bipolar you know anything yeah, like that they learn on and on and on 
the DSV is huge and like they learn new things all the time. Um, you know, and it's just a matter of making yourself aware of some of the new stuff. By no means do you need to become an expert, but you do need to be an expert on yourself um, or your kids. You got to you got to really get in there because um, doctors don't know every like do- GPs. They don't know. They don't know everything. They If they can't fix it with a pill or a Band-Aid. Uh-huh or referring you to a specialist, then, you know, you got to bring them some information sometimes. Um, you know, it's a lot easier for a psychologist to help out if you're, if you're doing the work, you know, um, and, and for medications, you better be like, I, you have to educate yourself on side effects. You have to educate yourself on interactions. You have to educate yourself on what it's doing because, I mean, under no circumstance do you do I think anybody should be taking a medication where they don't know what it's going to do, mm-hmm. right? Have you ever had like yeah. really like a really scary reaction or anything like that happen? Um, besides the aggression with the Ciprolex, yeah, and the, and the monster shadow monster with the anti psychotic, yeah. um, the I've had a funny one with Effexor, um, one of the rarer side effects on Effexor is uncontrollable yawning. Really? <laughs> yeah. And it sucks. Let me tell you, it sucks. Because <laughs> um, you just cannot stop yawning. <laughs> so um, so there was that one. Um, that's one of those ones where you're like, oh, that's not that bad. But then if you just imagine yawning for like three hours, oh, like the whole day. Just, like, yeah. I'm imagining English 12 right now. <laughs> So there's that one. Um, the other one was I was on Wellbutrin, which is an antidepressant. It's also used as like a stop smoking aid and a um, it's called what's known as a third order ADHD medication that um, I was taking that combined with um, Concerta, which is slow release dexedrine mm-hmm. or no. Yeah, I can't remember which one's which I think Adderall is the amphetamine i can't remember um they work the same yeah there's so many so i was taking <laughs> i was taking slow release amphetamines plus um wellbutrin which uh the reason they use it as a stop smoking aid is that it helps with impulse control it's also actually primarily used as an ocd medication um and anxiety and depression because it works on dopamine and norepinephrine i believe as opposed to um uh what i'm on now which is an ssri which works on serotonin so um with the wellbutrin um it works as a third order adhd medication because of the norepinephrine and the dopamine because uh adhd brains tend to be lacking especially in dopamine production and that's why we're so drawn to addictive or adrenaline seeking behaviors is because of the lack of dopamine um so no impulse like lower impulse on the wellbutrin and then i was taking adderall or no sorry concerta whatever extended release ritalin at the same time so i stopped eating um and i didn't realize that i'd stopped eating because you don't feel hungry or rather i didn't so that was probably the worst uh side effect i've ever had and that was a combination of the two medications um and it was just 
hunger is an impulse. And if you don't feel hunger, it's actually really difficult to eat when you don't feel hungry. Um, I ended up almost passing out because I realized I hadn't eaten in three days. So, um, yes. And then I had to force myself to eat half a sandwich and I just, I just didn't have an appetite. Like I had no appetite at all. You know, you're just just picking at it and you're just like, ugh. It's, yeah, you just don't, when you don't feel hunger at all, it's the weirdest thing. I must have dropped like 50 pounds too. It was bad. So Mm. um, not recommended. Um, Yeah, that was probably the worst drug interaction I've had. And then also realizing now that, uh, you know, they say, well, don't take an SNSAID. But they don't actually, they just assume you know what that is. And that's a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, also known as ibuprofen. Hmm. So um, I can't take Advil or Motrin right now. Um, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. Um, but those drug interactions are important. Because the reason you can't take uh, Advil with sertraline is because you can get serotonin syndrome. And that's very serious, and you don't want that. No, it can kill you. So, it does not sound good. <laughs> no, so uh, not to be scary, you just got to really take your drug interaction seriously um, and be aware of side effects. And also be aware of when they say that um, side effects might occur, but your doctor should is weighing the risk of side effects with with your your disease um, or your illness or whatever you're dealing with, and also. Um, you know, the older we get, the more medications we're on usually. So you got to just be careful and and it's just, just be careful. So, yeah. And have, and have an open mind about it. If, you know, like if it's going to, if it's something that's going to help you when it comes to mental illnesses and stuff, um, in the same way that it might help your blood pressure or it it might help anything else in your body. (laughs) Yeah, it's not, they're not bad things. It's um, just, I think we're just still kind of at the point where it's like, okay, we're dealing with our brains. What are we doing to them? Um, and it's different than just taking Tylenol for a toe ache or something. Yeah. It's just, yeah. but it's not really like we, we do have to take it seriously for sure. But if it helps, then why not? Right. And, um, and like, more people than we realize are on some sort of mental illness related medication. There are so many people out there that are on anti anxiety medications. There are so many people out there that are on antidepressants and you don't even know. Right. So, I mean, you need to be careful with your birth control pill or, you know, or, or even just allergy medication. It, it is just the way it just seems scary because it's your brain and it's scary because we're still finding out new stuff about our brains and it's just it just sounds scary but it's not as long as you approach medication with the same just I treat it like heavy machinery respect it but don't be afraid or like a scary like a big dog (laughs) and then to me, what's scarier is living with depression or living with anxiety. That's scarier and it can kill you too. So, yeah. So so yeah, just be really, be really open-minded and just do your research and, and, uh, and talk about it with other people, like be open and honest about the medication you're on and not just for safety reasons, but to 
break that stigma, you know, like it's, it's something like you said before, most people are on some kind of medication. And I think that the more people that just are open about it, the more the conversation flows and then we're just more comfortable with, with the whole idea. And I think that would create a safer place for people too. Yep. Um, and like for me with the CBD, that is my medication, right? Like it's to a point where my friends were like, can I have some? And I'm like, no, because that's sharing a prescription. Yeah, otherwise it so becomes I mean, like a social thing. Yeah. And yeah. you need to, it needs to be taken seriously. And, and then on, on top of all that, just remember that medication, some medications are a cure, right? Mm-hmm. Some medications are a cure when you're taking chemo. Well, that's not a good example. I'm trying to think of a good example. Poor, poor people. Yeah. Antibiotics. Antibiotics. You take the whole prescription and you should be cured. Right? This isn't like that. No. You don't take all your antidepressants and you'll never get depressed again. Yeah. You might have to take it forever. And, it's, and you're not going to necessarily feel way different. Yeah. So you just have to keep in mind that it's they're not cure all they're they're a part of a treatment plan that also involves things like psychologists or your doctor friends family support groups self-care etc self-care yeah and talking about it with 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 other people too um even beneficial to talk about people or talk to people without without um backgrounds and degrees and such because sometimes um it's just nice to talk to a friend about it sometimes that's more fulfilling you know I I actually um yeah my one of my best friends um I talked to him a lot about um this kind of stuff he um he doesn't have depression or anxiety or anything like he doesn't under he actually has a real hard time understanding why I can't just like like when I was really depressed, he didn't understand why I couldn't just get up and do something, right? He didn't get the lack of motivation. He doesn't get, you know, he doesn't understand some of the stuff that comes with some of the mental health problems that I struggle with because he doesn't experience it. And we are creatures of experience. Yeah. For me to talk to him and try to explain how I'm feeling or what I'm going through with him, he gets a deeper understanding of what it's like to live with a mental health problem. Mm-hmm. So he's a little bit more compassionate and knowledgeable afterwards. And I get to vent about my mental health problems, <laughs> but also in the same way, bring him down. You're not bringing him down. Yeah. Right? He's not really at risk. And he's not judging me because he's yeah. just learning. And at the same time, I do learn a lot about myself because he'll challenge things. Right. Cause he doesn't necessarily have the same twisted way of thinking that I do. So <laughs> I'll say something, I'll say something that maybe I think it's um, accurate, but in reality, it's not it's twisted thinking for example someone maybe was being very compassionate towards me and I'm just sitting here complaining about them pitying me and treating me like I'm shameful and stuff and then he'll say uh I'm pretty sure they were just trying to be nice Cheryl and I go oh shit probably right <laughs> so um, yeah, in the so, moment it's good to have that around yeah yeah someone to help you see things in a different way because we all get stuck in our own heads especially those of us who have issues with our heads, you know, it, it can get real dark sometimes and real isolating and really hard when you don't feel like anyone understands you or cares. And, and I, I know that that's not true. It's never true. 
so yeah people do care yeah people people do care yeah and and you know like even like your friend that doesn't experience depression or anxiety or anything like that he still is willing to listen and to actually question things and that's where it should start that's where it starts you know like having having the openness to have a conversation even though it might be uncomfortable yes and I want to point out not everyone's going to be comfortable with having a conversation not everyone is going to be positive or receptive or supportive and it's going to feel when you run into that because it's very hard it's a vulnerability to put yourself out there for someone so if you don't get a supportive now I'm talking about healthy supportive stable not smoke up your ass validating everything you're thinking so if you have someone who's going to question you in a healthy positive way or at least someone who's going to listen go for that first you need to understand like if this isn't sugar candy sweet say what I want to hear it might be tough love it might be someone saying something you don't want to hear but you need someone who's going to be supportive and stand by you no matter what so that's why I always recommend seeking out maybe a professional first if you can because I know it's expensive sometimes but or a support group or something try that first because it's a lot safer maybe because we all have those friends that are like post on Facebook every time mental health awareness comes up if you need someone to talk to I'm always there and then when you go to talk to them they're like don't have time for you or they they dismiss you or they you know treat you shitty just know there are a lot of people out there that are able and willing to just be there for you and support you through a rough time and and give you other perspectives and challenge shitty ways of thinking and and just go for it and and just be aware though that it's not going to be everybody and so if you get a bad response the first time take the time to heal and then try again because there will be someone out there that is there for you and if there isn't or you still you just are having the worst time finding that person there are hotlines if things get really dark I was gonna say people will talk to you probably yeah. secretly um, private message you the name of my doctor <laughs> <laughs> but also like let's let's be real when you're suffering with anxiety or ADHD or any mental health issues it can get so dark so if you need to call a suicide hotline call a suicide hotline yeah don't yeah. don't delay just do it and just call or if you are scared and you feel like you're going to do something bad, go to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Go to urgent care. Call call the call the cops. And they'll come and do a welfare check on you. Just call somebody. Call somebody. Take care of yourself. And I- take care of your medication and and make sure that yeah, and make sure that you're checking in with your doctor. I mean, things can change and your weight can change and all that stuff. So that's really important, but yeah. And just treat yourself good. Yeah. Yeah. Treat yourself how you treat your own best friend. (laughs) 
yeah thanks for all that advice I feel like holy we talked about like 10 different medications and yeah yeah and that's and that's how many many it takes sometimes to find the the sweet one yes um and and I might have to change it again too so yeah well at least you're open to doing that and at least um you're not just you know swinging it by yourself you're getting the guidance of somebody that is trained yeah and uh it might take a few tries but you, you can't there those people do exist so yeah well thanks again for talking with me and shedding some more light on this uh illness and what it's like to be on medication and the trials and tribulations of that it's yeah sometimes pretty exhausting and sometimes <laughs> you feel pretty defeated <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's an it's a it's a it's a pain in the butt so <laughs> well maybe we'll have you back one day and you can talk to us about something else <laughs> yeah anytime just uh, let me know i i don't mind talking about this stuff. <laughs> it's pretty fun okay yeah. cheryl well uh yeah i'll talk to you soon probably thanks a lot again and thank you I hope that uh, you guys all enjoyed listening to us ramble on about meds and CBD. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. All right. Talk to you later.